Uh, we're going to get into some deep truths tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at our identity, which if you are a believer in Christ, that's the most important thing in our lives, God. It's the thing that we need to get a handle on more than any other thing. And we'll be looking specifically to how, in light of dealing with depression, do we uh, identify as a Christ follower, as one of his kids. So one of the most important uh, questions I think that we have in life is how are we living our identity? Because we can know our identity in Christ. I talk with a lot of Christians. I've counseled a lot of believers over the years who can give great lip service to what it means to be in Christ. And you can know it. You can know the scriptures that speak to it. But are you actually living those truths? Living out that identity? As my heart's breaking, every 40 seconds, somebody's taking their life. Here in the United States, 123 people today has taken their lives. Guys, we're on an upswing, 80% since this pandemic. More and more people taking their lives. There will be over 800 million, or thousand, sorry, 800,000 people by their own hand this year that will take their life. So, living's an important thing, isn't it? And Jesus came to give life in life abundantly. That's why he came. So I want to ask a question for you, for us tonight as we jump into this study, is what makes people feel valuable today? Not of you guys, of course, but other people. <laughs> what would make them feel valuable? Well, oftentimes it's position, right? It's their position, maybe it's their wealth, maybe it's their intellect, their schooling, their skills, uh, degrees they may have, success that they've had, their rank, their authority over something. But <laughs> what happens if and when it is all taken away? And I think that's why people find themselves so depressed in this life. Because we're told we need to be this and we need to do that. And if you are, then you're something. Well, who are you then? I think that's the biggest question. And one thing I'd ask you guys here tonight and you guys who are watching at home, uh, be vulnerable in this time. Be real before God with yourself. I know a lot of people are hurting. And a big part of the reason they're hurting and are depressed and going through things and struggling is because we have a hard time being real and honest because we live in a, a society today that's very, well, we're going to get there, but very judgmental. <laughs> we want to look at everything else that's going on, and I'm not the problem. This is all the problem, and if I have a problem here, it's because of all that problem. It's not really a me problem. Well, we all have a me problem and it's called sin self okay and the bible beautifully unpacks that stuff but if our identity is say in marriage then what happens when marriage blows up if you say your identity is in your work well what happens when you lose that job or you retire i want us to remember guys that roles are what you do a lot of people find identity in what they do. You know, 
Well, that's, that's just a role you have. Your identity is actually who you are. Okay, so it's important to make that distinction. The Apostle Paul, as you guys who know me well, you know he's my hero. Besides Jesus, like I love the Apostle Paul. Over 160 times he mentions in his letters the little phrase, in Christ. So he wants to make a point to other believers. It is so important. Your identity is so key. If you are in Christ, you need to get this. You need to understand it. And that's why he shares over and over. So I want to read with you guys tonight. And if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. We're going to be looking at verses 3 to 6 together tonight. This isn't going to be the normal Pastor Landon diving in word verse by verse study, but there's some key things from these few verses that I want us to be able to cling to. And I would encourage you guys, if this speaks to your heart tonight, go home and check out verses 3 to 14. Actually, when Paul wrote this, this is the longest sentence in the New Testament. It just keeps going and going, but there is a lot of truth in those verses 3 to 14 about who a Christian is in Christ Jesus. Now, let's take a read here. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Think about that for a second. And he chose us, we're told, in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to him through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So you aren't what's been done to you. There's one point I want you guys to really get tonight. But what Jesus has done for you. I'm going to say that again. You are not what's been done to you, but what Jesus has done to you. I've counseled many who have struggled with depression over the years, and so much of what's built up, the defeat that one feels, is often coming from the past. An identity now has been brought from the past into the now forming who we think we are or all that we can be in that stuff it is past because what jesus has done for you as a christian is what matters okay this is true identity you see you aren't what you do but what jesus has done okay you are not what you do but what jesus has done so, you may feel dirty. Okay? Any of you guys ever feel that way? Man, God says I should be holy as he is holy. But man, if you knew the thoughts I'm having, 
the things I'm struggling with, the sin I keep doing. I feel dirty. But you know who you are in Christ? You are holy. That is who you are in Christ Jesus. You might feel dirty, but the truth is you're holy. Well, I feel defeated. I read in the Bible, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. There is victory for us as believers. And do we live that truth in that identity of who we are in Christ to live that victorious life? I think it's important for you and I, guys, to reject modern identity. Okay, uh, We're all familiar with Mona Lisa, right? Uh, you know, any of you guys know how much she's worth? $860 million! That is crazy to think about. Okay, Leonardo da Vinci, you guys may not know this, he only actually painted 20 canvas paintings in his lifetime. That was it. Okay, the Sumato here, the Italian, the way he shaded off, you know, different layers starting with the darks first, okay, without lines and borders. That's how he got that 3D cool look, okay, in his paintings, the eyes, the mouth. That's how he did that. But guys, we live in a culture today that values shallow, superficial, and temporary things. At least that's what I see. That's us. So we're fed lies all day long. What's important in life and how to be important in life and how to look important in life. That's what we're being fed all day. And I often tell people, man, if you're struggling with your identity in Christ, those type of insecurities, if you're buying into those lies, get off your social media. When I sit down to counsel with somebody who's struggling with depression or anxiety, get off social media. So unhealthy in so many ways. All we do is judge. I mean, that's what social media is. Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? That's social media. And let me tell you what, there's only one who really has the right to judge. <laughs> and it's not you and I. But how we judge, man, are they going to like this photo, are they going to like my new haircut? Are they going to like my meal that I took a picture of and posted? <laughs> you know? Are they going to like that? And that's where people are finding worth from, is other people just judging us. So this dramatically affects our view on identity and our value. And although we can't unhear the lies of the enemy, we can, guys... Replace them with the truth of God's word. That's on us. And that is your choice. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And what is the truth going to do? It will set you free. That is what the truth does. And the word of God, man, is living. It is powerful. I love studying church history. I love hearing testimonies from brothers and sisters. Just everywhere the gospel is gone, just seeing the transforming good of God's word everywhere it's gone. Great liberation. People set free. 
It is beautiful. Lives truly transformed. So we learn our identity is not dependent on what others say about us or even what we think about ourselves, but what God says about us. And if I'm on Facebook, Instagram, checking my Twitter all day long, well, what am I taking in? Well, this is what they think. Okay, this is what the world's saying. This is what my family thinks. What really matters? What does God think? I don't know about you guys, but the more I get to know him, the closer I get to him, he's the only one I really care about. What does he say? But if this is all we're taking in, and we're not taking time to hear his word and what he declares, do you guys see why people are just being tossed all over the place? Drowning? Discouraged? Defeated? I had a conversation this morning with another pastor. And we were just talking about uh, China. A lot of missionaries from the West, they've been kicked out because of the coronavirus. Okay, No foreigners. And that's something China's been working towards for quite a while. And this just gave them out. Okay, But it's cool because there's a huge underground church of believers there. And they're communists there. They're persecuted like crazy here in the west especially in america we enjoy a lot of freedoms religiously speaking a lot of beautiful freedoms we have access to the word of god we can go and listen to podcasts turn on the tv and listen to sermons i mean it's everywhere we want to go some of you guys right now are on facebook you know watching us right here considering things of the lord blessings okay and especially here in America. You guys know we're the richest people who've ever lived in history? Okay? We have so many comforts. And yet we're the most depressed people on the planet. What's up with that? We're doling out more antidepressants <laughs> depressants than any other country. What's going on? I think it's we care more about the lies and what people think rather than what God says. Why is our nation falling apart? Well, we ask God to leave. Okay? 1957, you guys can check it out for yourself. No more Bible taught to our kids. We're not going to train them in the ways of the Lord. Man, crime, divorce, depression, all of it skyrockets. What happened? Well, if you're not hearing the word of God, you have to be listening to some voice. Well, we could talk at length about that. But the point is, God has so much more for us. And that's why we want to be in the Word of God, looking to Him. You see, guys, He isn't mad at us. You need to hear this. He is not mad at you. God is madly in love with you. That is what the Bible says. He loves you. That is truth. Well, I'm mad at me. I don't like me. I actually hate me. These are the type of things you'll hear from people. This is something I've heard from many people. And I've had to tell a lot of people, 
you need to stop beating up and hating what God loves. Because I know my God, and I know he loves you so much. You need to knock it off. You see, guys, God is the one who judges. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. One day we're all going to stand before him, and you're not going to say to your creator, hey, by the way, I think I'm pretty good here. I was a little off over here. You don't get to judge yourself. I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. There is one judge. It is God. It doesn't matter what I think about you. It doesn't even matter what your spouse thinks about you. What does God say? Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Stuff. You guys familiar with uh, Gene Knight? Back in uh, 71, some of us were alive. (laughs) Might have caught Soul Train. (laughs) But I love her question. Who do you think you are? You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we often feel insecure, if we're honest. So those who hide it best often feel it the most. Pastor, I had no idea that you struggle with depression. No idea. It's easy to hide it, guys. It's easy to hide our insecurities. It's easy to post just the highlights and everything that is good. And then we look at everybody's good and we feel even that much more defeated. You see, guys, our insecurity is an invention from God to escape the danger of false beliefs about who we are and find true peace in who he is. Okay, guys? That's where we're going to find the peace we're looking for. It is only in him. So, God has this invitation. When you feel insecure, come to me. I love you as you are. It is a great invitation from the Lord. So who do you think you are? Automatically, it supposes that we probably have something wrong, right? Okay, who are you? Who do you think you are? Well, what's wrong with me, right? And sometimes we fall into what I like calling stinking thinking. You guys may use that term too, stinking thinking. We all have it. What are we thinking? Where did you buy into that lie? Why do you keep going back to that lie? For you guys who have struggled with depression, you know what I'm talking about. It's easy to revert back to the negative all the time. Even though I've just read the truth. I'm standing upon the promises of God. I get who I am in Christ. This is true. And two seconds later, your head's going negative. What just happened? Why do we do that? It's that stinking thinking. And that's why our minds need to constantly be renewed. I wish when we got saved, guys, it was all just completely renewed. Just boom! Renewed mind, right thinking all the time. But we take the past. I don't know about you guys. I haven't forgotten all those things that have been said to me my entire life. Those are still with me. There's now the living God living within me. There's now the Holy Spirit dropping truth bombs left and right. 
I now have his word and I open it up and my mind just gets blown away at these truths. But why do we keep going back? Reverting back to that old thinking. You see, it's like an invisible barbed wire. Insecurity is woven itself through our lives. Insecurity can debilitate you. It can cripple you. It can drive you to overwhelming weakness. And the only way to fight it, guys, it is with truth. We need truth. Years back now, I thought I had a heart attack. I'm on the ground, my chest. Heart disease runs in my family. I'm like, here I go. Little bitties at home, beautiful wife. And I might be seeing Jesus today. Freaked me out. Went and saw the doctor, ran tests. I had a panic attack. Never had a panic attack before. Didn't know what was happening. I felt like somebody was jumping on my chest. We saw warning signs coming. There were seasonal bouts of depression. Fall would run around, late October, November. I'd get in a funk, but I was always able to get out of it. You know, didn't know what was going on. Burnout. The signs were there. My wife was even calling for help. My husband's not well. He can't keep running like this. Stressed out. I'm good. I got Jesus. I got the grace of God. God's doing so much. Give me more. Let's keep going. The panic attack stunk. But what followed, I had no idea was going to happen. I fell into a crazy cycle of anxiety and depression. I had never struggled with it before. I had little bouts where I felt it a little bit seasonally, got down a little bit. But this came on, and it was different than anything I had ever felt before. I was in the cloud of darkness. I felt like there was nothing to look forward to. What do I do? How do I go on? How do I deal with these things? Do I go see a doctor? Do I start taking medications? Should I start counseling for the first time in my life? This is all new to me. Oh, I've helped other people with this through the years, but now it's happening to me. And oh boy, now how I'm going to counsel people from now on, it's radically different because I was talking out of my butt before. When you actually go through it, okay, God actually uses those hardships, guys, that we can better minister the scriptures speak to that truth. Okay? And the way I speak and counsel people today, biblically, is different than I did before. Because it's very real. I'm just like, you just got to suck it up. You know the truth. You're in Christ. This shouldn't be happening to you if you're really living a faith-based reality. Okay? Well, guess what? My love for Jesus didn't change. Talked, opened up to a few people about it. Well, what's your sin issue, brother? Scared the heck out of me. 
I began to examine myself like crazy. Well, where am I? Where's the habitual sin? I'm repenting like crazy, even repenting for things I didn't even need to repent for. I'm just like, Lord, what is off? What is wrong here? What do I need to do? Well, it continued on for a while. And about a year into it, it wasn't getting better, guys. I was still going about doing my life, business, family, ministry. Life still goes on. I couldn't stop. I felt like stopping and giving up. But again, what do we just say about insecurities when you are struggling? What's going to combat it? It's truth. I knew the truth. Despite how I was feeling, I still knew what God was calling me to do, asking me to do. Okay? We're here to serve, guys. Why? Because Jesus is our servant leader. We follow his example. He came and served. We do that to the day. I didn't have time for a pity party. Okay? I knew the truth. But I struggled in my heart with my pity party. It was going on in my head. I'm like, I don't get it, Lord. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to do my part. I'm up extra early. I'm seeking you. I'm studying. I'm praying, trying to get help. I start seeing a doctor. They start throwing drugs at me after a year. Let's try some stuff here. That didn't work. Let's try a different one. Let's try a different one. Let's try a different one. Let's try a little more of this one. Okay, let's wean you off of that one and we'll move you on to another one. Guys, a handful of antidepressants. Nothing worked, which a while into it, we did an expensive DNA test and it showed that my body can't process, guess what? All the ones that they tried me on, <laughs> okay? And some of them actually made things worse during that time. And I worked with many, hundreds actually, people who are mentally ill, who struggle with anxiety and depression. And I saw meds help many, many, many people. And I'm like, man, if there's just something that can just level me out, <laughs> you mean because I was just drowning. What do I do? Well, I got to continue on. Just because this isn't working out, it doesn't mean I give up because I know there's a purpose here. I know God has something. So my psychiatrists were trying all this stuff. You're going to go have some psychological tests. So I'll go see a psychologist. And this is where the truth part comes in. Because my psychologist didn't get it. I don't know if you guys have ever had to go in and take the tests. Tests. More tests. And then more tests. Yeah, Mr. Counselor here. He's like, I know what you're talking about. All these tests. And the psychologist couldn't get it. You should be a mess, dude your tests you shouldn't be functioning you shouldn't be here what's going on well, i got to share the gospel in light of yeah i do feel this way it's horrible but i can't stay in bed all day god's asked me to love my wife to train my children to be their daddy he's asked me to be faithful to preach his word I need to be about what he's asked me to do despite how I feel. And even though things on paper look hopeless, you, we in Christ have a hope. It's hard to describe sometimes, but it is real. Even when you feel like crud, the hope's still there. I don't get it, guys. It's a supernatural thing. It's a God thing. It's a spiritual thing. Okay? but we still have that hope in that. So psychologists, they don't get it. <laughs> I 
And how are we able to do that? It's because of the truth. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. My word is truth, John 17, 17. So it's one of those things, I wasn't given it out. I fell in love with the Lord and I devoured his word as a young man. I had hidden his word in my heart that when life threw me a curveball, this really sucks. I don't want to go through this, but (laughs) I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to do what I know is true. So my encouragement to you isn't, hey, great for you, Pastor. You know, you were able to still function, you know, and go on in life, even though you dealt with depression and you, you know, struggled. It's nasty. It's not that at all. There's power in the word of God. And when we accept the truth, it's one thing to know the truth, but are we willing to accept it believe it and do something with it because again jesus says my word is truth and that truth will set you free but we actually have to put our faith into action now i missed that slide next one i want to consider with you guys is does identity come from within or from without And this all kind of ties together here, and I'm glad you guys asked me this question tonight. It's a good one. So does your identity come from your inner feelings? Is that who you are? Because it's very easy to fall into that, you know? Well, I can't because I'm depressed. I played that game all the time. I'm depressed. I just don't want to go do that. I don't know if I can meet with them. That might be a little overwhelming. I spent five years at our county jail as the chaplain. And there were multiple days that I would pull into the parking lot there and I would just sit in my car because the thought of going in and ministering to these men and women, and a lot of it mental illness, struggling with depression themselves, and I am just barely feeling like I'm staying alive, afloat. And I'm asked to go in and counsel them. That was an overwhelming thing. There was one morning I was in my car for over three hours in that parking lot, just crying to the Lord. I don't know if I can do this. But this is the truth. And you know what, guys? Every time I stepped out, it wasn't easy. But I saw the Lord bless and work through it. And I think that's the biggest lie that Satan throws our way. Because when we're feeling certain ways or we're struggling with depression, well, I'm good for nothing. I can do nothing. And that's a lie just from the pit. No, you are still a child of God. Your identity is still in Christ. He still has a purpose in your life. He still has a calling in your life. And we step into that. So does your identity come from inner feelings? So do you decide who you are? I guess is the question we would ask ourselves. So when you make anything your identity, whether it be your career, your body, a love relationship, that's when, you, that's when it, they stop being a good thing, guys. That's not good. See, any identity that is achieved rather than received has to be excluding. In other words, you feel good because these people aren't as good as you or 
as enlightened as you or as conservative as you or as hardworking as you. You see, that's often how we feel good about ourselves. We want some kind of identity um, you know, that is going to fit. What, what do I need? Where am I going to find that from? You can't bless yourself. You guys know that? All blessings come from one. <laughs> we can't bless ourselves. You need recognition. Okay? You need somebody outside to come and to speak to you. Is this resonating? That's what we need. Okay? You might think you don't need it, okay? but yes, you do. God's created us to be social beings. You guys understand that? We need that. You don't just decide who you are. Most run to di you know, different and new set of cheerleaders all the time. You guys know what I'm talking about? And here's how. Say on social media, someone says, Hey, I am this now. My family rejected me, but I know who I am. Yay! Everyone in that other category begins to cheer. They just set aside one set of cheerleaders for another. That is all that has happened. So they are looking for someone on the outside to verify, to clarify who they are. So who do you need? Who do you need? Well, you need somebody on the outside. But what kind of person should they be is the question. Okay? Because we need that. We see how that would be a good thing. You see, we need love. We need approval and esteem of someone that you esteem. And if you want any esteem yourself, it's got to be that way. See, you want someone who will never let you down, will never delusion you. And you can't have someone who is fickle, who is up and down <laughs> with you, depending on how well you're performing. You need ador the adoration of someone who adores you. So you need to know that it is the God of the universe. And the God of the universe loves you. That is truth. And that would have to give you the most, you know, probably powerful bias and stable identity possible when you own that truth. I mean, the creator of all things loves you. Think about that. But I'm suffering. Jesus suffered, guys. Jesus suffered. You see, it's based, or is it based on your performance? No. Nothing to do with what you do or don't do. Then, if it is not based on your performance, then you don't ever need to look down your nose on others. This is where legalism can creep into the Christian's life and get ugly really quick. So how do you get that? I thought you guys would never ask, but I would love to share with you guys. Again, Ephesians 3 lays out the reality for you and I of how we get it. It's knowing that you're adopted into his family. 
Do you know that? There's great hope in Christ. There's eternal life waiting, set before us. Eternity with God who loves you. Paradise, that's what we've been preaching about the last few weeks. That's our new identity, guys. Being born again. Being a part of God's family. You see, in that truth, when we grasp that identity of who we truly are, because if we are believers in Christ, if you're truly born again, okay, you're a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And God wants us to walk in that newness of life. And when we have that identity, we can do that. It's a natural thing for us. We are spiritually alive. A lot of people trying to go through the motions of being a Christian, playing church, trying to be good enough and do those things, but we can't do those things. Okay? It's Christ in us. He's the one who makes us new. Things change. Our citizenship is in heaven, we're told. Okay? Do you identify with that? I really don't struggle a whole lot with politics because I don't hold too tightly to being an American citizen. I identify as a child of God's, and my identity is in Him. My citizenship is in heaven. That's what I care about. And oh yeah, I want us to be blessed in America. I want to continue to enjoy our freedoms. I don't want to see babies being killed, blah, blah, blah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But a lot of that stems from my identity in Christ because it's things that he cares about. And if my identity is in him and my citizenship is in heaven, guess what? I care about others and where their citizenship is. I don't want to see people die as an American citizen. I want to see them die as a citizen of heaven. That when they pass, I know I get to see them again someday. That's what it's about. We also know that we are his own. Think about that. In Christ, you are his. You are a child of God. And he's a good dad. I'm sorry, some of you guys had a bad dad. That sucks. But your bad earthly dad is nothing like our Heavenly Father. Nothing. He is so beyond any of us. He is so perfect, so loving, so patient. Okay? You know, so many people walk around just feeling so crippled by all the criticism growing up. Just crippled by it. My dad's, I had a man in jail tell me one time, you know why I'm in the jail chaplain? It's because my dad told me I was going to be in jail when I was a kid. He grabbed a hold of that. That's my identity. This is who I'm going to be. Man, our Heavenly Father is so patient with us. You know, there's sometimes I want to go and shake some people up a little bit. Like, wake up! (laughs) What are you thinking? You know? But it's one of those things, man, my Heavenly Father is so patient with me. We need to be patient with one another well i'm too busy judging and criticizing everybody people are are needing to be slandered it's like man 
No wonder we beat ourselves up because that's all we're doing. But when we are in Christ Jesus, man, we've come into a new relationship. We have a new dad, a good dad, and we get to learn from him. I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of like that. I want to be like my dad. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. We're also told in the scriptures that we are a friend of Christ. He's our brother. Okay? You're a family member of Christ. You're a bondservant of Christ. You're his bride, his poem, the apple of his eyes. You are his beloved. It's one of my favorite words in all the scriptures. Beloved. That's who you are in Christ. Be loved. Well, I don't feel loved. Well, guess what? You don't have a choice because you are the beloved of God. Okay? That is truth. That's who you are. You need to receive it and believe it and live it. And Jesus didn't show up just to give you a new name. He died for you. Think about that, guys. He died for you. Does God really love me? I love Romans 8, 5. And God demonstrated his love towards you when you were a sinner. Christ died for you. Man, we were at war with him. And he dies for us. He lays down his life to be that perfect sacrifice in our place. To be able to give a gift of eternal life. You guys know that he rose from the dead. He's alive. And he wants to give life to all. But that needs to be received. That gift needs to be received by faith. And the second you do that, man, born again, new creation, new identity, new hope. So I want you guys to catch this. Who do you believe has the greatest power to determine who you are and what you are worth? That is your God. What do my kids think about me? What does my spouse think about me? Now, focusing on the family is okay, but too much focus on the family can lead to idolatry, guys. What does God think? He's what matters. What do my teachers think? What does my boss think? We fall into this, guys. I'm a Christian. I still struggle with my identity. What practically do I do? I'm glad you asked. You see, when you're struggling with what your culture says about your identity because you're not good looking or smart enough or successful enough, you have to learn how to pull out your identity and push it to the top of the deck. This is what matters. This is who I am. I'm God's kid. I'm loved by God Almighty. This is who I am. So when you're worried about your status or your reputation, I want you guys to think of Philippians chapter 2. And it it reminds us, it should remind you and me, okay, Jesus wasn't afraid to give up Uh, his reputation or his status, right? And he's God. Though he was God, he did not think it 
or think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Wow, that's our example in Christ Jesus. And this truth, guys, it is freeing. It is freeing. Man, to humble oneself, just to serve and to love others. It's not about what I get back or what I'm going to get or what people think or if they're going to listen to me or be under my authority. Man, if we can identify as a Christ follower and follow his example, this is a beautiful truth that can set us free. So the key, don't just believe this. We may be like, hey, I get that, Pastor. Okay? I know that scripture. We need to take it, okay, to the center of our imagination. We got to own it. Okay? through worship, through thinking, through applying it at whatever moment we're in. This is what we do. This is who we are. So if it doesn't go to the top of the deck, you're back where everyone else is in a cultural captivity. I'm Christ's. (laughs) I'm in Jesus. I'm his kid. I'm loved by God Almighty. So how are you getting it down into your heart? That's the practical thing. We can know this stuff up here, but how do we start living it? How do we get this stuff into our heart? Well, I think it's taking it to the naming level. Okay, I should have to name these things. Work it out. Okay, how does it look in this context? How does it play out in this relationship? How about when I'm there? Okay, identifying. This is who I am in Christ. And then you remind yourself over and over again. Okay? You remind yourself of what you know to be true. I feel like this. I am so overwhelmed. I feel literally, physically, like I'm suffocating. I have no energy. I feel like I can't do a thing. I'm exhausted. But I know this is true. I know God's got me. I know he's promised to go with me, to not forsake me. You guys know that 90% of our decisions are based off our feelings. 90%. So when you are struggling with anxiety, depression, we're allowing our decision making to be made how we're feeling in that moment it's not good that's why we have to stand in the truth despite how we feel this is truth my word is truth Jesus said that's why we need to own it know it dive into it Allow God to work it in our lives. It's not a feeling, guys. We've got to live in a truth. And I'm not trying to downplay feelings because <laughs> they are a part of what we are and how God has designed us. But how do those feelings change? And I will tell this to you guys. I believe anyone struggling with depression can fight out of it. 
I believe that with every ounce of my being. I know it's different for people. It might take longer for some than others, but I believe it's true. I decided to start taking counseling. I wasn't on any meds at the time. It was early on in my five-year stint of crazy depression. I felt like I was having an upswing. And when you're in it, you guys know that darkness feeling, like you just can't even see light. Like it is just dark all the time, all the time, no matter where you go. Like even things that you enjoy, there's no enjoyment in them anymore. It's just everything's dark. I mean, even a really good coffee it just doesn't do it. Like there's nothing. Um, but in that darkness, guys, um, you know, you begin to see a little light or you feel like I just caught my breath for a moment. I'm suffocating again, but I was able to actually inhale and breathe for a moment there. That felt good. That's been so foreign. I haven't felt that in such a long time. I forgot what that's even like. It's like a little glimpse there of hope. It's there. Is that pot? Oh, that seems so far away. I started counseling. I felt like there was a little bit of an upswing, a little bit of that cloud started to lift a little bit. And let me tell you, it was nasty. I'm just like, I, oh, I don't know if I could ever get lower than this. You know, all I wanted to do was die. I wasn't suicidal. I know what God says about that, even though I felt like dying. You know, every time I go to the doctor, the first question, are you suicidal? I do want to die and go to be with Jesus, but no, I'm not going to kill myself, you know. But even in that, guys, you know, starting to see a little bit of light. Uh, One of my best friends and his daughter were murdered. And I spiraled farther than I had been before. I mean, I thought I couldn't go lower. And I'm just like, here, I'm getting a little bit of upswing and everything just fell out. I'm just like, I just don't get this, Lord. You know, I had hope. Okay, they love Jesus. And I knew God would work it for good. And we've seen that play out, guys. We've seen God's faithfulness. It has been beautiful. Okay, I knew that. I was holding to that. But it didn't change how it affected me (laughs) in the depths of what I felt in that. And it was so much worse. I didn't, like, I, I had no idea. Like, my prayer life was like, Lord, I don't get it. If you want me to be like this, this down, this depressed the rest of my life for your purposes, let it be. Like, that's where I, I, I thought maybe there was no hope. I just thought this is the hand that you're dealt and this is going to be the rest of your life. I really thought that. And I began to read. I've read dozens of books um, by scholars, blue-collar scholars, <laughs> average Joes about depression, you know. And I found hope in a lot of those books. There's truths in there, but it seemed like such an overwhelming thing. I'm like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. And, you get, and I got so used to it. And then a couple of years ago, the Lord just began to work, and things began to... It, it's hard to explain 
it's it's freeing in a sense things began to lift okay depression's still there often it'll come in waves but that continual cloud that's there 24 7 it wasn't there all the time anymore and i'm looking around i kind of given up i'm done trying drugs i was on one that i just i just told my psychologist i'm like i'm done dude like <laughs> we've tried enough this i'm just done now it works for somebody some people it doesn't for others but i i had over a year of just blah and i don't know what it was i did nothing different that's what i want to share with you guys i was in a long season and i was doing nothing different and it was just something that god just slowly here you go son you know and i felt like i could breathe again and I'm just like, I wish I had something to say. Hey, this is what I did, and this is what you need to do to get out of it. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I believe God can bring anybody out, and we need to fight. We fight to the day we die. It may be longer for somebody. It might be really long for some people. It might be until the day we die, and then you'll be glorified <laughs> with him in heaven. And that's where I thought I was going to be. I'm like, what a bummer. I love my kids, but I can't even enjoy my children. Talk about a, one of the worst things as a parent. I can't even enjoy my parents. Don't even enjoy going out with my wife. I hope she's not watching. But it was just one of those things. I enjoyed nothing. My favorite thing to do in life is preach. You know? And faithfully come in and preaching the word. I was doing it because I know that's what God was asking me to do. And I wish my heart was completely in it and everything was just alive and totally exciting. But it's one of those things, it's just like, hey, this is truth. I know this truth is for me. I know this truth is for my brothers and sisters. And I know the truth is, this is what God's asking me to do. So I'm just going to do what God asked me to do. So I encourage you guys, wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, just be faithful with what God's asking you to do. You know, And it might be baby steps. Just getting out, serving, doing something. When we understand the word of God, there's good theology that comes into our life. God has created us to work, put our hands to something. One thing I see with a lot of brothers and sisters when they start getting depressed, they want to isolate. I don't want to deal with anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I know you love me and you care about me and you want to come over and you want to pray with me and share scripture with me. And I know those are good things, but I just don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with me. I just want to make it through the day. That's all I'm trying to do. Is just make it through today. And maybe I'll get out of bed today. It's a reality for a lot of people. But when we have a good theology, well, God's asked me to do this. We do it. And it might be hard. It might be something you step out in faith. I tried. Didn't go so well. Great. At least you tried. <laughs> Try again. Maybe it'll be two steps the next time. But it's just something we keep moving forward. And one thing I do love about feelings, guys, feelings that we want, the good stuff, they often follow after the obedience. And I think that's where we get tripped up a lot of times. Well, when I feel good, then I'll start doing what I should be doing. And I've found in my life, it's no... You do, you obey, and the feelings will follow. Okay? There's been a few times over the years where I've gotten sunny flowers. 
didn't want to get her flowers, wasn't even that pleased with her at the moment. The Lord's like, you love your wife. You get her flowers. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) go to the store, pay the money, get the flowers, put them on the table, and you go, here you go. (laughs) But in the act of doing it, you know what ends up happening? Good feelings end up coming and following that action. It's just like, you know what? I didn't feel like doing that at all. But that actually felt right. That actually felt good. I'm glad I did that even though I didn't want to. And that can play out in so many different ways in our lives. And I want to be an encouragement to you guys. And I'm hoping as we consider these things, there's just a couple things I want to share still. We're wrapping up here. I just want you guys to be encouraged that God has much for us, but we have our choices. (laughs) And are we going to receive and do things his way? And are we going to say yes to him? That, yeah, I'm your kid. (laughs) This is my identity. I feel this way, and I put a lot of stock into what they say, and I know you're asking me to set those things aside and just live in this reality. Yeah, you still might be influenced by what they're saying and how you feel, but I believe the more we walk in the truth and live the truth out, we're going to see things just start falling away and there's going to be some light. There's going to be some joys that have been very foreign for a long time that start coming back. So I often think, guys, of the song, I'm a child of God. You guys familiar with that one? Okay. Um, I think it became popular just because it is a song that really speaks to our identity of who we are. We all need it sung over our lives because it is a precious truth over and over and over again. So what I'd like to do in closing is share that song with you guys. Um, and then I just have a couple closing remarks uh, as we wrap things up. So let's see if I can get this to go.
That's a good one. I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Um, I'm going to share this here. It's up on the screen. I'll put it up there for you guys at home. Christian selfhood is not defined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves. It's defined in terms of what God does to us in the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. See, God made us who we are so we can make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. So you guys see why our identity as Christians is so important. And man, we may have a thorn in the flesh. Satan may <laughs> be trying to get us. But we're on a mission, guys. Some of you guys might be asking, well, how do I become a child of God? You ask. There's a heavenly father who gives good gifts. We ask. I love 2 Peter 3.9. Lord's not slack concerning his promise. He desires, his will is that none should perish. Do you guys know that? He doesn't want to see anybody go to hell. <laughs> to die in their sins. That's why he did everything for it. There's nothing we can do. He did it. Jesus did it. Him dying on a cross is a gift. We receive it by faith. And yeah, that takes repentance. Okay, we haven't been created for sin, for self. We've been created for him. We turn from our sin and we turn to him. That's repentance. And we say yes to him. And when you do that by faith, you're born again. That's what the Bible tells us. That's how you become a child of God. And when you become a child of God, you have a beautiful identity. You are a new creation, and you get to share that with the world. That's what the world needs right now, guys. Okay? They don't need our stuff. <laughs> they need Jesus. You see, Christ is our life. Not only the guarantee of it and of heaven, but a down payment of it by the Holy Spirit now. He lives in us, guys. We've been given His Spirit. We have a hope. You guys know that you're the temple of the living God? That's what the Bible says. I don't feel like it! Well, you are. <laughs> if you're a believer in Christ, man, let that light shine, guys. I just want to stay home and not do anything and see anybody. No. Go shine. Be the fragrance of Christ wherever you go. Love seeing you, bro. Every time I see you, you got a smile on your face. Yeah. feel really down, but you know what? I genuinely am excited to be here to see you. So many guys up in the jail. Man, why are you here? Why do you do this? Why do you come and share? Because this is the only thing worth sharing. There is a hope that is real. There's a God that can set you free. And I don't know how many guys and a couple of gals over the years, man, even though I'm incarcerated chaplain, this is the freest I've ever felt in my entire life. 
finally surrendering, surrendering and giving my life to Christ. And some of the neatest brothers and sisters that I got to know up in the jail, they were set aside in the mental health ward wing. They were radical for Jesus. They shared their love. King David was bipolar, guys. Look how God used that man. Ups and downs talk about despair. But in it all, God is there. He is faithful. This morning, a pastor friend of mine uh, brought up the scripture to know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship that comes with suffering. I will say this, I don't regret crazy season of depression. I honestly can say that. I do not regret that in my life at all. Because I got to know him in ways and depths that I never knew my God before. I learned how to cry out to him. I learned what humility really looked like. I reprioritized a lot of things in life that now have eternal worth. I think it's good when we go through it, guys. Pastor David knows this, but I forget when it was. Sometime this summer, I fell into a depression funk again. It had been a year and a half. Nothing. And I'm like, here we go again. Is this going to be another five-year stint? It only lasted a couple of weeks. The elders prayed over me. But I was so thankful. Part of the reason why we're doing this tonight is because I was reminded, I forgot how bad that funk can get. But because of that, <laughs> it gives us a heart for those who are broken, who are hurting, and I hope, and I really do extend myself to you guys, if any of you are hurt and need someone to talk to, please call me. <laughs> we'll talk, okay? Suicidal, please call, <laughs> okay? We'll talk. Um, but I hope the same thing for people who do struggle, brothers and sisters with depression. God can use that because you're not the only ones out there. There are so many people who are hurting I remember the first time I shared about struggling with depression here at Freedom Fellowship, a good handful of our church family opened up. I had no idea. These are brothers and sisters that I'm doing life with, ministering to, shepherding, and they finally opened up like, whoa, pastor, you're real. <laughs> I had no idea. I've been struggling. I've been on meds for years. I've had this since I was a kid. And it's been so cool being able to be real, to know how to really pray for one another, to encourage one another. I love overcoming depression God's way. Just simple verses, encouragements, quotes. And that's something, when we have that and we struggle, we want to share hope with others because we know others are struggling too, you know? I sent someone a book yesterday. I read a book recently. One of the 
Uh, best books I've ever read on depression, Flirting with Darkness. Ben Corson just released it. I've read dozens of books, guys. I flew through this one. I'm almost done with it. I just got it last week. You know, I'm eating it up. And I'm just like, man, this is ministered to me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to minister to someone else that I know that's struggling. And that's what we can do, guys. We can bear one another's burdens and share with one another. So I encourage you guys to do that and know that there is true fellowship with Jesus when we suffer. You know, when we go through things, there's going to be greater depths and understanding. But also, guys, we need to embrace him in it <laughs> and allow him to be there. Because I know a lot of times in that isolation, we want to box him out too. And that's the last thing we should do. Like 2020 has been a little crazy. And that's why we see an uptick with people with anxiety and depression stuff going on. And to be honest, guys, people either run to the Lord in times like this or they run away from the Lord. It's one or the other. And my heart's breaking because I see brothers and sisters running right now. It's just like, man, things are hard. <laughs> More than ever, this is when we need Jesus. You know, and that's where we just need. And sometimes we've got to grab people, literally bring them to the Lord. It's like, hey, let's go. This is what's needed because we know he's good. Because his joy, guys, when we, when we look to him and we embrace him, his joy becomes our joy. That's what happens. Despite how we feel, there's a joy inexpressible. Where is this coming from? It's the Lord. His love becomes our love. His peace becomes our peace. His strength becomes our strength. So in Christ, we're fundamentally new and we belong to people of heaven Okay, the language and the values, the customs, the expectations of this world increasingly feel, feel foreign. The closer we get to Jesus, it's just like, who cares? Okay? Uh, we've been born again. Why? Because he loves us. And because he loves us, man, we're brought into his family. We're born for another world, guys. That's what we're born for. We're a new species, a greater kind of existence. And sometimes we're like, why don't I enjoy that now? I'm a Christian. I'm walking with the Lord. I should have that now. Well, in this life, you will have tribulation. We are going to suffer, guys. But we get glimpses. We see the hope. And despite all this stuff, guys, He's there with us. And He will strengthen us. And man, you struggle with depression too? Yeah, <laughs> I do. But how, what, how, where do you have this peace amidst all this stuff? Well, let me tell you, it's my God. <laughs> so the best version of me, guys, it's destructive. I don't know if you guys can say the same thing, but the best of me, it's just destructive. You can't do Christianity in your own strength and your own identity. I see people who are doing that, man, it's ugly. <laughs> It doesn't work out well. You see, it is impossible to progress in our Christianity without his identity. We can't do that. And I want to see you, brother and sister, growing in the Lord. Okay. So once we have understood his identity, this leads us to his presence, which leads us to his power, which leads us to our transformation. 
So do you see why identity is so important for us as Christians? This is what's going to change us, guys. Standing in that truth. Living that truth. And that's what I want us all to do, is to live it. Even if we're not feeling like it, we still can live it. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand to your feet and we'll close in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we are thankful uh, just for this time tonight just to carve out a a place and a a moment that we can look to you and just consider real things, real life. God, we don't want to ignore uh, what so many are are dealing with and struggling with, Father. And, And just in light of identity, how many Christians, brothers and sisters of ours, miss you? Uh, just what you have done and who you have made us. God, I pray that you teach us to listen to the voice of truth, to really listen, God. And I would ask that for each and every one of these guys. You would allow them just the grace, Father, to be still before you, Lord, to be able to hear your voice, to know that they are beloved by you. They are chosen by you, God. They're your kid. You adore them. God, you are so good to us. We're so thankful that there is always hope with you, Jesus. And that is a hope that we want to share with this world. So, Father, all we can say is here we are. Meet us where we're at. God, heal where healing is needed. We know you can do that. And even when things seem down and overwhelming, we thank you that you're the one that's the lifter of our heads, that we can look to you. When the storm is overwhelming, just like Peter cried out, Lord, help, and you immediately picked him up. We thank you that you are there for us, Jesus. You are truly kind and patient. Thank you for that. So please, Holy Spirit, just work in us. Renew our minds. God, help us to stand upon the rock, the truth. We thank you that it does set us free. So Jesus, uh, yeah, thank you for this time tonight. Amen. Cool. Well, thank you guys for hanging out tonight. I hope it was beneficial. I know there's a lot that we covered in a short time, but um, yeah, just really encourage you guys to really look to him and what he has to say. Because our stinking thinking is stinking. <laughs> All right, God bless you guys.